0: welcome to enhanced therapy podcast my name is Derek Davda and today we're going right inside the maps MDMA assisted psychotherapy training and to bring us there we have with us the chief of therapy training for the maps public benefit corporation Shannon Carlin how's your day Shannon
1: it's going well thanks for having me
0: It's great busy life busy life huh yeah,
1: it is a busy life with our training program and also personally I'm 30 weeks pregnant. So Oh
0: my gosh. okay. Oh, <laughs> wow, wow. C- congratulations.
1: So, it's my first child. I have no clue how busy life is about to get <clears throat> or ma- or maybe unbusy.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're going to be birthing all kinds of all kinds of things including yes. human beings. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yes. I hope you're doing well with that. Are you?
1: Yes, yes I oh, am. Great. Yeah.
0: Okay, let, let me give like a very quick introduction and, and then I'll let you go. So for those who don't know, uh, MAPS is the leading psychedelic psychotherapy organization in the world. As far as I know, MAPS is an amazing organization with a great vibe, spectacular following that is almost like, uh, almost like a religion, except it's a religion not only based on love, but also based on science. MAPS is currently uh, completing... Uh, the most important psychedelic psychotherapy study to date which is the mdma assisted psychotherapy research multi-site multi-year research uh that is international research that is aimed at the uh, legalization of mdma assisted psychotherapy and recently i've been talking with i just talked to ingmar gorman one of the principal investigators on this study and uh, about the most recent paper that came out which was a very big news very big news and And staggering results, uh, MDMA-assisted therapy, so far, as far as we can see, so far, of course, this is all still pretty preliminary, but so far is showing better promise than anything else that we have for the treatment of PTSD and possibly some other conditions. Um, And another reason that MAPS is such an important organization is that you just started training therapists and you started with a big bang your first session your summer session has 310 people in it so this again again it's unprecedented and guess what today we have shannon carlin with us who is the person who runs that training so shannon tell us about all about the training what what would people experience being in that training
1: yeah yeah thanks derek um, I guess first I'll just say that I have been with Maps for 10 years since 2011. Maps was founded in 1986. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. It stands for the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And in 2015, Maps created a fully owned subsidiary called Maps Public Benefit Corporation, mm-hmm. which is a public benefit corporation whose um, sole stockholder is Maps, the nonprofit. So. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank, first of all, you know, our donors and our community that supported this work. Um, we did just get some exciting news about a multi-million-dollar grant that came through from the state of Colorado for marijuana funding yesterday,
0: wow. and
1: so that will be announced um, online shortly.
0: But Whoa. that is
1: our first ever government funding. So since 1986 all of the clinical studies have been funded just out of the generosity and philanthropy of our community. And that's amazing. That really says a lot about, you know, this work and the community and, and the vision that people are holding very strongly. And I mm-hmm. want to give one other gratitude at the beginning here, which is to all of the participants who've been in the research, the only way that we get to move through this process of developing a drug and attempting to have it rescheduled and be more w- widely available, safely available, is that people have been willing to be courageous and vulnerable to go through their therapeutic process with us. And so we thank all of the study participants who've, who've been involved and willing to share their stories with us in this way.
0: Absolutely. And it seems like it's a mutually beneficial, as far as numbers show uh, and the stories show, it's a mutually beneficial uh, uh, relationship:
1: Yeah, 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 about two-thirds of study participants after they finish a course of MDMA assisted therapy no longer meet the qualification to actually have a diagnosis for post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that if those that data continues on that trajectory, that could indicate that MDMA-assisted therapy for some people with PTSD, actually has a curative effect, and not only symptom treatment, which right. in the world of mental health, we have very few cures. <laughs> um, and we don't think it's the MDMA alone. It's the whole process, which we you might have gotten into with Imar, and be happy to talk about more. But um, the other thing I wanted to say is, yes, I've been with um, MAP since 2011, worn many hats, have been grateful to work directly overseeing the training program, mm-hmm. the MDMA therapy training program for five years now. And I'm a licensed marriage family therapist. Um, I've gotten the honor to work on a couple of MAP-sponsored studies with participants a couple of years ago. So this is really you know near and dear to my heart. And I think it's very important for us to keep our fingers and our hearts connected to actual direct clinical work in our training program because that mm-hmm. is uh, what we're talking about here. Yeah,
0: And the actual goodness that you're trying to and the actual healing that you're trying to generate. I guess that, that is the, that's, the, that's why MAPS has such a wonderful following so far because uh, MAPS Public Benefit Corporation, as you mentioned, is a, a pharmaceutical company, but it's a pharmaceutical company uh, all profits from that company go right back to the, uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, MAPS non-profit and uh, yeah. to support the healing, the healing of, of trauma and other conditions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the training program, actually, MAPS has been doing training since about 2012. MAPS has been doing clinical research since the late ni- 1990s and early 2000s. And the training really blossomed out of a need to have qualified and competent practitioners working on clinical trials. So in the drug development process, um, there's different phases of research. They are called different things in different Mm -hmm. countries based on the regulatory agency. Um, MAPS is based primarily in the U.S., and we conduct trials in uh, over a dozen countries around the globe, um, including Canada. Israel and several countries across the EU um, and and always looking you know at how we can partner with people globally to bring this medicine out in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the early studies in the US are very small studies Phase one and phase two studies they're called and so they'll be anywhere between 12 and 24 participants. So those were the research studies maps was conducting from about 2000 to about 2016. So our training program really blossomed from the need to you know carry on the wisdom to be able to open a new research study with new therapists. And the leaders of the you know, the kind of mentors and wise wisdom holders of our training program have been Annie and Michael Mithoffer, mm. Marcelo Tolera and Bruce Poulter. And they've been they're two couples. Um, Michael and Annie, currently based in North Carolina and Marcela and Bruce in Colorado. And they've been working on MAP-sponsored studies for two decades now. Um, and they're the leaders of our training program. So they were the first trainers in our program. I was trained by Michael and Annie actually in Canada um, on Cortez Island in 2014, back mm. when our training program looked like six to eight people coming together at someone's home, living Incredible. together for a week, eating food together. and the the meat of the training at that point actually has has carried as a lineage in our training program, although it looks different now is that those trainers, Michael Andy Bruce and Marcela would bring their cases to the, the trainees and really share their clinical work you know the, the best, what I've heard from them is the best thing we know how to do is to show you what we did and to attempt to put words onto it. I think when you've been immersed in something for so long, especially at the frontier where there was no guidebook for Michael, Annie, Bruce, and Marcella, they really have learned through doing and being. And so it can be difficult to put words onto, well, when trainees ask, Well, what did you do right there? How did you know to do? Um, to say say something instead of not say something. Mm-hmm. Or how did you know when to step in or when to step back? Um, it's very intuitive. So putting words to this process has been a major task of our training program, really in the last nine years, um, but but in a more focused way in the last five. And certainly, it's not that you know MAP started from scratch. People had been working with MDMA therapeutically before MAPS was founded in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, and when the U.S. DEA scheduled MDMA as a Schedule I substance in 1985, Rick was pretty quick to found to MAPS.
0: Start, start the, yeah. non- the nonprofit.
1: Yeah. Um, and so the, the bedrock of our therapeutic approach is really built on psychologists that were experimenting with mdma before it was made illegal and people who have since moved into the underground so when it became illegal yeah some people moved under
0: and rick's commitment to work within the system rather than outside the system and be persistent for decades to actually succeed within the system rather than outside the system
1: yeah yeah and you, you know there's a whole conversation we could have, and, and I'm certainly not an expert in this topic, but, you know, the pros and cons of using a medicalized approach as a conduit for bringing psychedelic medicines into accessibility. So, you know, MAPS is certainly not shy about saying we are pro decriminalization, mm-hmm. um, And so MAPS really supports you know, institutions, uh, Drug Policy Alliance, and many, many, many others who are working to decriminalize substances, all substances too, not just psychedelics. Um, And the drug development pharmaceutical medical pathway has been a pathway that's recognized and respected by mainstream culture, for better or worse. And so that became one of the only viable pathways as soon as MDMA was made illegal to actually pursue this treatment, a very expensive (laughs) and time-consuming pathway, but a pathway nonetheless. And here we are. We think we're a couple of years out from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration reviewing all of the decades of data to consider MDMA-assisted therapy as a legal prescription treatment. With right. many other regula- regulatory agencies, Health Canada, Ministry of Health in Israel, and many others um, around Considering that time.
0: the same the same the yeah. same transition, which might be a, a, a quite a major transition in mental health treatment, possibly, if yeah. the numbers so far are right. You know, you've already mentioned so many <laughs> hot topics and and and, and interesting <laughs> buttons, and I just I'm very aware we have very little time yeah. today, and 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 I would oh i would love to talk maybe maybe i'll get you to talk again about uh, all these issues but today let's let's get into tell people what the therapy training is so so we make sure we cover that and we have any yeah. time left so if i if i were to do a therapy training what do i need to know what's the structure how much it costs how much time it takes and then yeah. phenomenologically what would i be going through if i did yeah. this training
1: yeah great let's go there so the training program today is a 100 hour training course and through the pandemic we've been doing it 100% online which was a stretch for us and again has some benefits and some downsides we really like working in person we think we like doing therapy in person and we think that doing training in person has a good parallel to that but we're working with what we have The benefit of working online is we're able to include people who live in many, in a vast geography without them having the expense or inconvenience of having to take time off of work and childcare and travel and all of that. Um, So the 100 hour training program includes didactic. We have an online course that trainees work through on their own time throughout the program. And then we have live sessions. Currently in our virtual program, it's a 14-week program, we have three virtual weekends. So we get together on a Saturday and Sunday three different times and meet with some of our lead trainers, our trainers in the current cohort for the summer of 2021 are Annie and Michael Methofer, Marcelo Talara, Bruce Poulter, and then our two lead trainers in Israel, Karen Zarfadi and Ido Shimon. So we are two-thirds of the way through that program. And as you mentioned, it's over 300 trainees, which is five times bigger than any Uh training program we've done before. And um, includes a lot of folks from the U.S. and Canada and also folks from the Southern Hemisphere, from Europe. I'm sure we have a couple of folks from the Middle East and South America, so again, being able to you know in- include multiple people. It also, I just want to mention that we, MAPS has a health equity initiative that it launched at the beginning of this year, which has three parts, one of which is focused on training and supervision, so providing scholarships to the training program for traditionally marginalized communities. And right now our, our primary focus has been on Black, Indigenous, people of color, BIPOC, um, we also work with the LGBT plus community, trans and genderqueer, and people who don't have the financial means to participate in the training program. The training program tuition for this year is $5,000 That includes the 100-hour course. Um, and then on top of the 100-hour course, we have an elective requirement, which we call the experiential elective. And this has been really... A commitment that we have that people entering therapeutic practice in general, we believe, should have personal firsthand experience mm. with working on themselves, personal growth, exploring their shadow or blind spots, developing themselves. Um, and specifically, when we're working with psychedelic states, we think that's ever more important. Some of the experience of psychedelic and non-ordinary states is ineffable, and the very nature of it is that it's non-ordinary it is unlike our daily waking consciousness and so how do we gain competence as practitioners in this modality well we gain experience with those non-ordinary states and that can look many different ways yeah the
0: whole the whole idea here is that within a therapeutic process the whole idea is that mdma provides uh, an altered state of consciousness that uh, that uh, that provide some insights that we cannot gain uh, in a regular uh, through a regular experience and then the idea of therapy is to integrate some of the benefits some of the learnings some of the good things that happen during that experience into everyday life so that's kind of a, that's yeah. why uh, this is so exper- important okay so uh, regarding your elective
1: yeah yeah so maps does have FDA-approved study operating in the U.S. called the MT1, and it's a healthy volunteer study. Um, It's the therapist training study. So that was approved, I think it was in 2009, for 100 participants. They since increased it to 120, which the study is almost at capacity. I think we have maybe a couple of spots. Um, And so therapists come, and it's actually therapists in our training program have the option to apply for this clinical trial And if they're eligible they get to come and actually have mdma therapy for themselves and so they go to one of our study sites just like a study participant would and they receive the treatment we've been pushing to expand that opportunity because we think it's such a valuable opportunity perhaps a necessary one um, although that's up for debate um and happy to get into that debate too and so, we've really been pushing to expand those opportunities for people, not just in the US, but globally. We often have trainees travel internationally to come to those studies, although in the pandemic, that has been halted. We did just hear after over a year of back and forth with the FDA that they have some opening, an open mind to consider another study like that one, which would be called MT2.
0: Yeah. It would so it's not, be... it's, it hasn't been approved yet.
1: Not yet. No, the not protocol yet. has not been approved. Yeah. Okay. So. And MT2... how many
0: people are you? How many people are you applying for this MT2? What? What? What do you think? What's your prediction? How many people will you? Will it be seems able like to the FDA
1: it? will approve fifty people to start.
0: Fifty to start. So again, yeah. a very small sample comparing to the number yeah. of people that you train. So what yeah. we're talking about is. Here right now is whether the therapist that you train can get MDMA, first-hand right. MDMA psychotherapy experience as clients. Right. And uh, so, uh, and it the, the answer to that question is that at this point? Very few. <laughs> Very few. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. And, you know, we, we go back and forth on this. In our ideal world, therapists would, if they choose to, have the opportunity to have personal experiences with MDMA-assisted therapy, the modality that they're getting trained in, when i trained to become a psychotherapist i was required to have a certain number of hours of my own psychotherapy that made a lot yep. of sense i got a lot of benefit from that um so and then what i keep coming back to is it, that's our ideal world is that everyone would have that but the drug war here we are the whole you know mm. the whole reason we're doing clinical research is the drug war and the criminalization of these substances. So we continue to bump against that and we we continue to fight that. And, and Rick Doblin is um, really great at, you know, we're gonna challenge you know, these systems and rules if they don't make sense, if they aren't actually serving the people in the best way. So we will definitely keep challenging it. The hope is that when when MDMA assisted therapy becomes a legal treatment that therapists who you know meet certain qualifications will be able to access treatment more easily. They won't have to go through a research protocol. So one of the models of this is how some training centers are working with ketamine-assisted therapy. And when they train other clinicians in ketamine-assisted therapy, in some cases... They're able to work with doctors who can provide actual ketamine treatment to those therapists in training. So we we hope that will be true in the future. It's just figuring out what to do in the meantime.
0: Yeah. A couple so of could... very, very yeah, quick questions ahead. here, so we don't uh, go away from this point. Uh, MT2 study or MT1 study? If the therapists apply for your training, is there? Do they have an opportunity to apply for the MT2 MT1 study right now?
1: Right now, MT1 is full on the wait list and MT2 yeah. is not yet approved. So okay, at this so there's moment no, no, there's no
0: opportunity mm-hmm. to apply right now.
1: Right. But there when we... MT2 gets approved, we will make opportunities available right. for a therapist and training. Yeah.
0: And another very quick question, the guess, your best guess on when will MDMA assisted therapy be approved in USA?
1: Our latest in... guess in... on behalf of MAPS is late 2023.
0: Late 2023. About. In Canada, do you think that's, do you make guesses about that or you're not as, as involved in, in, in your neighbors? Good, your neighbors?
1: We, we care deeply about our Canadian neighbors, <laughs> um, but I don't have as clear of a guess. You know, this the special access program, you know, is under development in Canada. And I know, you know, that's very much under development. So things are constantly changing with it. And that could create opportunities for people to legally access psychedelic therapy sooner Mm -hmm. than later. Yeah. Um, So the elective, (laughs) that was, that was my whole background on what we wish the elective could be for available for everyone. Given that that is not our reality that we don't have Mm -hmm. the ability to provide MDMA therapy to every trainee who wants it. Mm -hmm. We um, have other alternatives. And so we work a lot, we we really just want people to have experience. The second best thing from MDMA-assisted therapy in particular is non-ordinary states experience. So non-ordinary states of consciousness can be achieved through many avenues. Psychedelics is only one of those avenues. Holotropic breathwork, different kinds of breathwork, trance, dance, drumming, different kinds of shamanic practices with and without medicines. The, the list goes on and on. So... You know, we do our best in our program to be as inclusive as the, of those experiences, while also trying to stick to our real vision: is that every trainee leaves the program having some personal experience with non-ordinary states. Okay. Many people choose to pursue holotropic breathwork because um, it's readily available; it's it's usually pretty accessible. Although, again, the pandemic has halted a lot of that. And also Stan Groff, the developer and founder of Holotropic Breathwork, and transpersonal—you know—a contributor of transpersonal psychotherapy and psychology—is really one of the bedrocks of our training program and the therapeutic mm-hmm. approach that we use mm-hmm. um, at MAPS. Yeah.
0: So the clinical principles of this of this program, I understand that this is not a sp- any specific modality, but rather uh, the program sort of. Uh, it remains open to different therapeutic modalities, but tailors uh, the training to what it means to be working within the framework of MDMA-assisted therapy, which is combining this uh, powerful psychotropic medication uh, with uh, with therapy. So, what the, what you, could you tell me a little bit about the clinical yeah. kind of principles that guide your work?
1: Yeah, yeah, our therapeutic approach is really we consider it an inner directed approach and so that's what mm-hmm. the principle of our training program is and yes we focus on mdma assisted therapy because that is the expertise that maps has through the research and we use the evidence to inform the training although inner directed approach can be applied to many different kinds of therapies other kinds of psychedelic medicines certainly we've we work with people I, I work um, with ketamine-assisted therapy through the California Center for Psychedelic Therapy, and we apply the, the interdirected approach principles to our work with ketamine, but can also be applied just to any many modalities of psychotherapy, talk therapy, and, and otherwise. And what that is is, and it's based off of many different traditions, young, was probably the first person documented to use the term inner healing intelligence, which we're not dogmatic about that term per se. We use that term. um, You're welcome to replace it with other terms and words that work for you. But what it really means is that within every single individual, every single person, we have an innate capacity to heal. If we're given Mm -hmm. the right environment, we will move towards wholeness and healing. And the metaphor that we like to use often, we have a couple um, the doctors in our program like to use the metaphor of a physical wound. Uh, you get a physical wound, you have a cut. If you go to the doctor, the, what all the, the doctor can do is clean it. They, yeah. they can remove obstacles, they can clean it, they can put a container around it, give it an environment. Yeah. But the doctor cannot make the wound heal. The body Mm -hmm. heals the wound. Mm -hmm. But the body needs a good environment to do that. I like to use the metaphor of a seed, and I read an article about it. But really, you plant a seed, and as a gardener, you can't make that seed sprout. But you can give it the soil and the water and the sun and the nutrients to be able to do that. So that's really, you know, a primary philosophy of our program. Mm. And then from that, we developed the interdirected approach, which is, it, it sounds simple. It can be very difficult as a practitioner, especially if you're trained in any other kind of approach. There's a little bit of unlearning and relearning that happens. But really practicing trust in our client's ability to heal, yeah. really, yeah. and trust in the process. Right. And so that means as a practitioner, you know, and you could like, for the clinicians in the room, you can liken it to many other kinds of client-centered approaches Mm -hmm. where questions are open-ended. They aim at inquiry. They aim at the client soliciting responses from within them versus interpretations or advice or guidance or direction. So we are really teaching about a way of being with people rather than specific techniques and interventions that could kind of be like a checklist that somebody would move yeah. through
0: yeah so it's very it's very focus on personal empowerment as opposed uh as opposed to focusing on making one dependent on on on, on the healers uh, yeah. we we should maybe just quickly mention that MDMA is used in in the current research it's used three times but it might be used once maybe twice maybe three times yeah and that and that's it and uh, you might not need you might need you know some people might need more but but that's not the idea the idea is that that those healing experiences uh, there is a few of those healing experiences that then generalize to your life. As opposed to, again, like, oh, uh, I don't like talking about the, the pharma and all that stuff because, you know, that's such an old topic. But, but as opposed to being, for example, dependent on a medication uh, that not doesn't heal but reduces your symptoms, reduces the intensity of your symptoms uh, on an ongoing basis, creating dependency uh, to the, to the, to the healers. So the, your mm-hmm. approach is very much based on personal empowerment.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think really seeing the MDMA and the therapy and the therapist as part of just creating that container for the client to relate, to cultivate a relationship with their inner healing wisdom and to have a full experience where they're supported in in doing that. We aren't often supported as humans in doing that for whatever reasons, our upbringing or work environments or wanting to be productive or putting on you know whatever our social facade is and one of the one of the powerful things about this treatment i i like to highlight because it's easy to overlook is just the time the amount of time that we spend with a participant participants clients. We spend the MDMA-assisted therapy sessions are six to eight hours. Mm -hmm. And the full course of treatment, as you said, some of our studies have two MDMA sessions, some have three. The studies that have three MDMA sessions in all include 42 hours of therapy with two therapists always in the room. Right. So it's a lot of attention and time. And, you know, I can't help it. I'm preparing to become a mother, so I'm going to use metaphors about parenting. Um, Yeah because I'm practicing. Um, But but really, you know, reading this morning uh, about, you know, the first couple of months when your baby comes into the world, when my baby's inside of me now, she has constant surrounding, constant sound, sensation, touch, nourishment, always. There's never a moment where she is not touched. When she comes out suddenly, we're separated in some way. So I'm exploring, you know, what role do I want to have in nourishing and contacting her, especially in the first couple of months as she's coming out to send this message, you're cared for, you're held. And there's a parallel there, of course, in therapy. Mm-hmm. Of, And to really be able to say to someone, I love saying to clients at the beginning of the day, this is your day. We have mm-hmm. all day. We have plenty yeah. of time. We yeah. don't have to figure out we got a 50 minutes to do a talk therapy session what's the most important thing i can think of right now Yeah. no no it, it's going to unfold and it's Wonderful. not going to be something we think of from our mind but yes. something that unfolds yeah
0: and re, you know reparenting is a very apt uh, analogy here because the most trauma most difficult trauma is complex trauma is, is childhood trauma you know adult trauma if somebody didn't have childhood trauma people can can handle a lot as adults and, and you know but as children we're so vulnerable we so we don't have the skills to to understand so if we get confused by those around us you know it takes a whole life sometimes to disentangle yourself and sometimes we never disentangle ourselves from that confusion from that trauma from that pain of early experiences that are uh, you know that can be so difficult so what mdma therapy does as far as i i can see from my you know from the training and reading that i've done so far is that it actually reopens that kind of critical window that uh, work by gould Dolan on reopening of that critical window for social bonding those social bonds become with tra- traumatized people become so complex We become we develop these mechanisms to protect ourselves. We screw up our relationships because of that and and we suffer because of that. But MDMA as a therapy, and you, you can tell me whether you know I'm on the right track here, reopens that kind of window and allows us to experience, because MDMA is a very specific drug, giving a very specific experience, allowed us to experience love and connection and acceptance. And pure listening, actually listening mm-hmm. to the other person, and the sense of being heard, and the sense of being loved, and within that experience, we actually, some people for the first time might get—I actually am having shivers right now. I don't know because <laughs> because this is so, this is potentially so big. You know, we can people, children who has been lost, can experience their sort of like you know metaphorically speaking childhood and 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 the openness, and then they can actually remember that experience they can have this experience, and it can then, within the therapy process generalize, and they can start relating to themselves and to others and to the world in a slightly different way, slightly different, but yet it might be a complete overhaul so i I really love your parenting yeah. metaphor, I think it really
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, MDMA does have a unique property, which it's intentional that MAPS, you know, started working with MDMA, partly, you know, the scheduling of it happened. And then Rick said, well, I guess we have to start a research company now, but that psychologists in the 80s with Leo Zeff and others thought of the subjective effects of MDMA and thought that it would be really beneficial for couples therapy. So some Mm -hmm. of the subjective effects of MDMA can include positive feelings towards oneself and others, um, more empathy, more sensitivity in in multiple ways, including physical sensitivity, being more connected to the body. Um, Perception expands, you know, similar to some other non-ordinary and psychedelic states, their perception of different patterns of life in a different way. And one of the things that happens, especially when people are working with trauma and MDMA, is there can be this simultaneous presence where participants will be, and I can think of particular sessions I'm thinking of too, participants will be back in the trauma moment. It could have been five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. They're there they are feeling the feelings of the wind blowing when the door opens and somebody's voice um, hitting their eardrum. All, all of the moments of it, they're there they're experiencing it. And simultaneously, they're in the therapy room. They can feel themselves in the actual present moment with the two therapists. They can feel the couch on their body. They can feel their breath breathing in their adult current body. And that is so helpful with trauma processing in particular, because too often, when people revisit those traumatic memories, it feels unsafe, it, it becomes mentally unsafe, there mm-hmm. is no grounding, what's the difference between revisiting it and it happening again, mm-hmm. the difference is being connected with the resource and MDMA helps provide that resource um, to many people.
0: Right, and reduce that kind of a fear attached to those memories. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's such a great description of uh, of, of this uh, of this therapy. Hey, so what is the? Um, I'm not sure whether you have any plans to go anywhere, but what's? I'm curious. What's the breakdown of the of the people that are in this first session? The 310 people, in terms of professional designations.
1: Yeah, it's a. It's about. We get a lot of therapists. Meaning. Marriage family therapists, social workers, professional counselors. That makes up over half of our program. Okay. We have licensed psychologists, psychiatrists, nurses. Um, I'd say the doctors in the program, you know make up about, I don't know, fifteen percent or so of our program, okay. mostly psychiatrists. Uh, we do sometimes get other kinds of doctors. And they can play an important role too. In, you know, some doctors choose to go through a training program, even if they won't necessarily conduct the therapy, but they're going to be supporting through prescribing and overseeing participant safety and monitoring, supporting therapists. It really is a multidisciplinary approach because there's a medicine with a therapy, which (laughs) doesn't happen very often and really challenges regulators because regulators, drug regulation agencies regulate. Drugs, not therapy, therapy. and it challenges professional associations like the American Psychology Association, for example, because they oversee the conduct of therapy rather than drugs. So it it really is beautiful to see, you know, this kind of frontier, and certainly it's not the first, the the only drug-assisted therapy. There are many drug-assisted therapies out there, but it's the first of its kind on this scale so really
0: is working the, is in a multidisciplinary there, yeah is there though is there though because this uh, this therapy has been specifically designed about around the properties of MDMA MDMA is an uh, is is a uh, is a part of this therapy so is there another therapy that oh well, there's some physical therapies but is there another psych, you know psychotherapies uh, that uh, you know counseling system that I think combine that-
1: the one that has come out um, that is the closest model that we you know can think about when you think about regulating and bringing out a drug plus a therapy um, is particularly in the treatment of opiate use disorder. So methadone or and other kinds of medications for recovery that are combined with therapy. Oh,
0: okay. And okay, yeah. and
1: That's... you're right that MDMA assisted therapy is unique from that in many different ways. That the qualities of MDMA itself are a tool for yeah. the yeah. therapy, yeah. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just purely an adjunct. Yeah. For example, okay. yeah. yeah, I do want to say also that we, you know, we attempt at MAPS to be. We're always navigating this scale between quantity and quality, um, in, inclusion of the, the greatest population of people and also holding a container of safe and ethical boundaries. So these are all paradigms we, we all are constantly navigating and MAPS feels a huge responsibility because of the work that we're doing. So one of the ways that that shows up in our training program is, I mean, there's scaling. We could talk about that. The fact that we have 300 trainees in a program is huge for us. It, it's huge. a little scary for us and mm-hmm. it's going well. Um, but it took a lot of work and conversation. We're constantly in conversation about what yeah. impact that's having on trainees, on the quality, et cetera. One of the other ways that shows up is we really believe, and really this follows in the ethos of Rick Doblin, that there are many different kinds of people that have skills and competencies for conducting MDMA assisted therapy. And that doesn't always look like a piece of paper that says that you're a licensed psychotherapist. But that brings up a lot of challenges. If it's not a piece of paper, what is it? So ultimately, who is going to be able to practice MDMA-assisted therapy is going to be up to a joint decision between the regulatory agency, the professional associations that oversee um, and advocate Mm -hmm. for policies around the practice of mental health, and medicine, and the study sponsor. So in the case of MDMA-assisted therapy in the US, it would be through the FDA, MAPS, and then other powers that be that oversee the practice of mental health and medicine. And it's going to take all of us challenging what we think are the norms and standards of those fields, because this breaks the norms and standards of all of our fields. We do not have a pathway for regulating psychedelic-assisted therapy in this way, so we have to create one. So, And we need to create one that promotes competence and professionalism and ethics and also is as as inclusive as possible, that we don't cut out whole groups of competent practitioners just because that's how things have been done in the past. So, for example, we include chaplains in our program. We include peer counselors and navigators, and we are always making room, one of the benefits of having a co-therapy model is you. we currently require, and the FDA asks us to require that, of the two therapists in the room, one of them is fully licensed in good standing in their jurisdiction to practice psychotherapy. And we agree with that. We believe that's important. Okay. Um, the other person... Doesn't necessarily have to have a license in psychotherapy, but they have other qualifications they bring, whether it's a spiritual counselor, for example. And so they practice within their own competence and scope. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you've been you've been covering uh, uh, already a bunch of uh, questions that I have. The you know <laughs> talking about the speed of growth, you know, which which can be excel, you know, the acceleration of growth can be also very destabilizing, and 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 so. That, that whole variable I think everybody is very aware of that variable and, and how yeah. Yeah, so, so it so that and then the diversity of trainees that uh, the diversity of professional backgrounds and the diversity of experience and all that you're navigating that in your training so that's uh, uh, how is it going so far? how is so far this uh, this uh, this training going? Yeah, going?
1: yeah, it's going well. Um, it's, you know, we're constantly working with our staff to make sure that trainees feel supported and included. And of course there are always moments where it's like, wait, I'm a trainee and I'm feeling like I'm out floating in space and I don't know, you know, what's, what's happening or what do I need to know? And so we're constantly working on, you know, pulling in trainees into groups. One of the ways that we we do that is that we really believe small group formats are important especially Mm -hmm. for clinical professional trainings so we run what we call our home groups they're groups of 20 trainees that meet regularly in that same group throughout the program and they meet with two of our training staff every Mm -hmm. time and they have open discussion debriefs about what they're feeling and experiencing through their learning process Mm -hmm and then they also do practice together like role plays mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's been an important asset. I you know, you mentioned diversity, it's really important for us to mention that racial and demographic diversity is of the utmost importance especially at this mm-hmm. moment in psychedelic therapy to ensure that the workforce and hope, and and also the patient population that ends up getting treated or access accessing these treatments is representative of the general population, Mm, racially, sexual orientation, social economic status, et cetera. So the health equity initiative that we launched that I mentioned earlier really is part, one part of that effort. And we really are committed to, it's not just, it's really important in diversity work that it's not just about getting people in the door. It's not about quotas and numbers. It's about the culture of our program. How are we actually embracing, supporting, engaging, including people of color, people of different sexual orientations. So we're constantly growing at that. There's, you know, I could talk for hours about that and it deserves conversation. I wrote an article about, we did a, a MDMA therapy training for communities of color in 2019 and a lot of amazing, powerful, hard Conversations came out of that training. I wrote an article about it. So, did one of our then trainees, who's now on our training staff and a therapist in the MAPS studies, Joseph McCowan, in the MAPS um, bulletin last year. So, that's available online. That really goes into, you know, where our training program and MAPS in general and the psychedelic field in general is at in this conversation. So, we're constantly, you know, wanting to be honest about some of the shortcomings. Psychedelic therapy and psychedelic research has been a predominantly white, predominantly heterosexual, high SES, able-bodied, et cetera, group of people. And so, as we change that, where it's not just about getting more people in the door, but it's about looking at our programs and our policies, and the words that we use, what language and, are we using? Right,
0: right. And and, and you say the you know you, you, the culture, and also what happens after the training, you know. And one of the yeah. one of the questions I think a lot of people have is, okay, so I do the training now, and uh, then there's the gap of two years or three years before. MDMA-assisted psychotherapy become legalized. What yeah. what what can people do? What uh, uh, you know after the after they get the training and and before this, before they can practice and in terms of yeah. both like, keeping those skills alive and as, are there yeah. any opportunities in that respect?
1: Yeah. So next year in 2022, we launch our first CE continuing education program. So we'll start requiring in 2022, every two years, that trainees who graduate from the program do a certain number of continuing education credits to keep up their skills and competence and to be connected to the community. Those are both very important. Um, It's very risky for practitioners and their clients when practitioners are isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's easily easy to be isolated in right. psycho, the psychotherapy profession. So it's so important for us. We feel a calling to help cultivate community. And we're, we have a, a lot of work to do around that where we have lots of ideas about yes. how we can do that and getting regional groups of alumni together and, and, you know, helping groups come together, but groups are also self-organizing. For example, that Cohort, I mentioned the community of color training in 2019 that happened in Kentucky in the US. That cohort has had weekly meetings self organized since August of
0: 2019. Okay, yeah, because yeah, they want to be connected. That's different, different numbers of people, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So you know, and, and as a program, we want to provide resources to support yeah. more of our yeah. cohorts in doing yeah. things like that if they wish. So, the community of practice is is very important um, for us too. Yeah.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. You know what Maps is doing is such a like just historically. I always look at things historically. You know, historically, this is this is a very interesting development happening right now. With the speed of unprecedented speed of growth, unprecedented results coming from research, so much good energy, and then all the risks also, you know, with the speed of growth and, and the complexity of, 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 of this explosion of, of this. And uh, do you have, uh, where are you at with time, uh, Shannon? I just wanna make sure that. A couple minutes couple yeah. minutes okay so but you know i mean <laughs> i would love to talk to you again we just we just touched uh, touched on, uh, on, on 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 different things here and i really enjoy hearing uh, hearing you tell about a little bit about maps i'd love to hear more about maps i'd love even from this historical point of view to hear sort of like what's what's happening you know i think people would be very interested in in hearing a little bit more The inside stories and maybe even more specific stories that are happening in your organization. You know, I'm I'm very grateful that you exist personally, and uh, and I'm actually doing a training with you this fall, so I look forward to that. Oh, great! uh, To to that training. So, uh, is there anything else? So, what should we? How should we end this uh, for today, Shannon?
1: I guess um, I'd love to say just a minute of like how people could get connected with our program. Absolutely. Yeah. So for folks who are interested in learning more about the MDMA therapy training program, I recommend they go to mapspublicbenefit.com slash training. And there's a lot of information about our program on there. The treatment manual for MDMA-assisted therapy that describes the treatment and the therapeutic approaches there. The MAPS Code of Ethics for Psychedelic Psychotherapy it goes through our training schedule we are currently accepting applications for the fall 2021 cohort which is a 14-week online cohort
0: do you have a We're maximum accept- maximum number of people you can accept
1: yeah we still have about 200 spots in that training okay. program okay
0: yeah okay.
1: yeah, yeah. Be 500 three, trainees
0: 300 yeah. so far and, and about yeah. two hundred. and i also sh- should mention so maps public benefit corporation training uh, you'll find all the information. I also should mention that MAPS is a very open and honest organization. They publish everything, they're honest about uh, about everything and that there is also an amazing resource center. Your, your, your website is an amazing resource center for anything MDMA, assisted psychotherapy related and other psychedelic psychotherapies as well and uh, never mind uh, the personalities that are involved in this work. Just an amazing stuff. Shannon, so Thank you so much for your time. I'm again. I'm very grateful that you, in your busy life, found time to, to, to do this. And uh, and uh, all the best with with the baby. Is it your fir- your first child?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. And if I-, I was gonna leave with a wish for us and for everyone listening, it's that we all have opportunities to relate to our inner healing wisdom within yeah. ourselves.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Take care.